Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. I was uh, playing a few carols at home just to get into the spirit of it and um, listening to Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I didn't actually realise, but this was written by Charles Wesley. And uh, it is said that his goal in writing hymns in the early days was to teach the poor and illiterate sound doctrine. His brother, who many of you would have heard of, John Wesley, was a famous theologian and the founder of the Methodist Church. Yep. Um, said Charles, he said that Charles's hymnal was the best theological book in existence. How's that? It's quite incredible when you go back and you look at some of these earlier hymns that were written by him and when you take a moment to get past the, geez, I'm sick of this song, to actually think of the lyrics and to see what's in them. Hark the herald angel sings, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory be, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Father God, we just, we thank you. And Lord, we just take this this moment to focus our thoughts and our attention on you. Father, may we put aside the busyness, the to-do lists, the, the concerns, the worries, even the excitement and the anticipation just to spend this moment in contemplation of what you did, of what you gave, of what was birthed, of how it changed our life. Father, I pray this morning that the words of man would simply drop to the ground but the revelation of God, that it would pierce our hearts. This morning, Father, we pray in your precious name. Amen. 
If you have your Bible, will you turn with me this morning? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. It's too easy, isn't it, each and every day to get wrapped up in the motions. Has anyone been feeling that? Everyone you talk to, busy, you know, doing a million and one things, disorganised, whatever it may be, running around like a crazy person. And it's a challenge, isn't it, just to actually pull yourself out of that moment. And I guess we get to do it each and every Sunday, don't we, to, to have this, this reset where we pull ourselves out of whatever the week's been and just to simply sit at his feet and go, okay, God, open my heart to you. What is it that you're saying to me this morning? And particularly at this time of year, we can so easily go, well, I know the Christmas story. You know, Yvonne so beautifully read that to us this morning. And, you know, I've heard it all before, but I want for us to gain a new depth and a new revelation on it this morning, to really discover afresh what it is that God's saying to us. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet in Isaiah, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. God himself took on flesh and came to be with us. The divine nature was united with human nature. No longer is it merely just God, but God with us. God with us. God with you and me. And this morning I want us to consider this, Emmanuel, God with us. In Mark 8, Jesus asks this very important question. He says, who do men say that I am? Not only is this an important theological debate, but it is the most important question for all of men to answer. Who do men say that I am? There's so many different responses to that question, isn't there? And uh, one of my most um, theological uh, books that I love to default to on this matter 
If you don't have children, you probably haven't had the uh, opportunity to delve into this one, but uh, it holds a, um, a lot of meaning for me and I'm always saying to my kids, can we have this book tonight? Can we have this book tonight? If you don't know the story, Chris Tomlin has written this story about a little bear and he lives amongst all of his friends in the community and each and every one of them are uh, facing challenges and he feels so helpless and hopeless and he doesn't know how we can help them. It's so beyond him. And so he says, I'll go to the king. Maybe, maybe, just maybe the king will help me. And so he sets off on this quest, little Tucker does. And along the way, Tucker meets all of these different people and he tells them of this adventure and he says, maybe if I give the right gift to the king, he will come and help us. So each of them helpfully give him something that he collects along the way and takes to the king. He collects all of these things and he comes in into the presence of the king and the king says, Tucker, the king runs towards him with a huge smile. I'm so glad you're here. It looks like you might need my help. My friends are in trouble and I thought if I bought you the perfect gift, you would help us, Tucker explained. You bought the perfect gift, the king says with great love. Now let's go on the way. Tucker wasn't sure which gift was the perfect one. Even so, he hurries off with the king. On the journey back to the little bear's town, Tucker asks a question. Are you a warrior? Yes, says the king. Are you a teacher? Yes, replied the king. Are you a doctor? Are you a farmer? Are you a musician? Yes, 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 the king patiently replied. But how can you be all of these things, the little bear asked the king. I'm all of these things because I'm a good father. Tucker didn't understand. The king comes to the little bear's town and, and has this moment of, of meeting not just the needs but seeing each and every one of these little bears in the town. Tucker gets to experience who the king is and he says at the end of the book, Dear king, I have one more question. Which gift that I gave you because I brought you many gifts which was the perfect gift, Tucker asked. You are the perfect gift, the king told the little bear. You came to me. You trusted me. You bring me great joy and I love you with all my heart the same way I love all my children. Imagine grasping this revelation as a five-year-old, as a seven-year-old, as a ten-year-old, in these early days of encountering who the king is, of being able to answer that question, who does man say that I am? And in that moment, knowing exactly how to respond. And this is what the Gospels so beautifully depict to us as they go through the, the journey of Jesus and the stories of Jesus. Yes, he healed, he raised people from the dead, he set them free, but he was also with them. He also shared their moments. He walked with them and talked to them. He stepped into their world. He was present with them. And down through the ages, we've sought to articulate the answer to this very question. 
Who do we say that he is? The Nicene Creed, similar to the Apostles' Creed, says, well, we believe that you are the one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all the worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and he sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. He came to be with us. He came to step in to our moments. He came to be present. The book of Matthew opens with Emmanuel, God with us. And just to reinforce the fact, closes in that, if you skip to the end of Matthew. And it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Just in case we missed it in chapter one, we get a chance as we follow through the book of Matthew to have it reinforced to us again. This word lo is behold or see. And it's actually used when a thing is specified which seems impossible yet occurs. When a thing seems impossible yet it occurs. Lo, I am with you always. Does it seem impossible sometimes? Do we have those moments where we go, there's too much shame. He can't possibly be with me right now. Or I'm in this place I know I shouldn't be. He can't possibly be with me right now. I'm so messed up. He couldn't possibly be with me right now. Or there's greater needs than me. What am I complaining about? He can't possibly be with me or see me. God with us always. Isaiah 43 says, fear not, for I am with you. What's the divine antidote for fear? For hopelessness, for loss, for loneliness, for depression, for torment, for confusion, for anxiety, for all of these things. Simply his name, Emmanuel, God with us. Proverbs says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it 
and they are saved. They are lifted up. And so when we fear, we recall to mind David's timeless words of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because you walk with me. Because you talk with me. You sit with me. You see me. No matter what that valley is that I'm walking through, you're right there. Time and time again throughout Scripture, he reminds us, he reinforces this. Deuteronomy 31 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he is the one that goes before you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Hebrews says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua says, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you think he's trying to tell us something? Leave in the Greek means to let up, to loosen, to give up, to let sink. So God is saying, I will not let up. I will not loosen. I will not give up. I will not let you sink. It's an interesting picture there, isn't it? Have you ever encountered those moments where you truly felt like you were in quicksand? That you were going to sink? And that nothing and no one was going to grab onto you and give you that lifeline? There's a promise right there. Forsake in the Greek is leave you behind, abandon, desert, leave helpless. I will not leave you behind. I will not abandon you. I will not desert you. I will not leave you helpless. I will not. And just in case you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it time and time and time again to reinforce it until it's in there. I often think of, of uh, Abram's mistress, Hagar. And if you know the story, then you know that she became pregnant with Ishmael. And funnily enough, Sarah didn't like that too much and so drove her out into the desert. And poor Hagar is sitting under a tree, pregnant with nothing, no one and nowhere to go. And I love the faithfulness of God in this moment. Then she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Isn't this one of the greatest desires of all of us? To be seen? to be known, to be understood. All too often and too easily we can feel invisible, looked over, dismissed, not important. We do a great job of comparing ourselves to others. But I love in this moment, in in Hagar's moment where she felt that she was sinking and had nothing and no one, the God who sees 
turned up and saw into that moment. Or think of Moses when he went up the mountain and, and yet again encounters God and says to God, show me your face. And God says, you can't. You can't handle seeing my face. But here, hide in the cleft of the rock and my hand will cover you. For you can only see my back as I pass by. What then changed from these moments? Jesus. Jesus came in the form of a baby and he was beheld by mankind. He walked and he talked with man. He wept with man. He was present with man. He came. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last breath. But then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So that when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last breath, he said, truly, this man is the son of God. Truly, this man is the Son of God. No longer separated, Christ made a way for all of us to be with him. For he wanted to be with us, didn't he? Christ with us. And just like Tucker encountered along the way, Christ is, is many of these things, isn't he? He is our healer. He is our, our Father, he's our provider, he's all of these things. But first and foremost, as we start Matthew chapter 1, he wants to make it very clear to all of us that he is God with us. All of those things aside, all of those things are fantastic, they're wonderful, we need them, we press into them. But aside from that, of utmost importance is our revelation that he is God with us. Because we can't celebrate one without the other, can we? We can't gain this revelation of, of the birth of Christ without considering the why. And the why is because he came to be with us. He came to step into our mess came to step into our brokenness, that no, one, no matter where we are or what we're walking through, even through the valley of the shadow of death, that we fear no evil with Him. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.